0: We could talk about the fact that we have a message and a mission. Believers have a message and a mission. And uh, 2014 is the year of the believer according to the word of the Lord that was given to us at the beginning of this year. We've seen some evidences of that uh, in different places. Um, we've seen believers hungry for the power of God and to rise up, uh, and I I really believe that's a hunger that is being fed, but it's been misfed as well. And we're not going to talk about that, but I can see how hungry people can get into atmospheres that don't feed the hunger. They feed the, you know, like in a lot of places, the music and the worship's the big deal, but the word is kind of, you know, it's gi- given in a, a a backdrop. And people, when you're hungry, you're hungry for the bread of life, the word of God, and and so it's it gets to be more of an emotional. They're kind of skimming on an emotional plane and not really getting the edification in the word. That they need to, but God has a plan for that as well. Cause that hunger will continue to drive people and they'll, they'll go driving out of the places where they just get music and they'll start to get into places where they get the word the word and the spirit have to come together before we can be equipped and do every good work and so God will feed hungry he'll feed hunger that's one assurance we have from God whoever hungers and thirsts for righteousness will be filled the word says you'll get what you hunger for God will see to it that you get it he never lets his children go hungry especially when that hunger is real and it's spiritual and it's fed i had an opportunity (coughs) to speak with someone this week and uh i'm just embarrassed to say i just (laughs) she contacted me over facebook messenger miss cheryl (laughs) in 2010 and I never answered her back I know (laughs) it's like how could I do that I was so embarrassed I didn't even want to talk to her but she contacted me again and I looked back on the last message she sent me and it's that old and so as I was speaking with her she said you know what she said this is the right time for you to talk to me she said this is the right time she said that was God she said because 10 years ago I I mean four years (laughs) 10 years ago (laughs) I had all my teeth I had all my hair (laughs) not that long ago but she said four years ago she said I had many many questions she said and I don't think I was would be as open to the answers that you have you see what I'm saying, so God knows what He's doing. I thank God for that because many times you you want to do the will of God, but you also don't want to you know do anything out of turn out of timing Uh, you know prophets are real sensitive to the timing of God and things Uh, we get in more trouble misfiring things than than, you know firing them a little late or not at all (laughs) but you know what I'm saying it's a timing thing that has to be done properly but this person has a desire they have a business and they have a desire to take this business to different cities but they're in a city where they they go to church and she said well I haven't really found the church for me and I said maybe part of your hunger is so that you will begin to declare that church where you are and God will grow it up around you you know what I'm saying it's like when when we talk about people who were catalysts in revivals they had a hunger and they didn't have a place for that hunger to be fed and they cried out to God to create that place for them and so that's part the Bible says that if you sow seed you'll be first partakers of the first fruits and so many of those people like what they have in Tulsa um it said and I, I'm not sure I think this is what people know but maybe like a handful of, of people that they know of prayed for Tulsa to open up the way it did to the word of faith message and so those people saw a need there and nothing to fill the need and so as prophetic people you can begin to decree and declare a thing and it will be established to you and so this is part of what God calls people to do as believers so this is part of how he uh, feeds that hunger this is how that hunger gets fed is by us crying out for what we're hungry for. And then God will bring it to you. If it exists already, he'll slot you in there. If it doesn't exist, he'll spring it up around you. And this is how these things get done. Revival doesn't happen by people sitting around complaining that that's what we need. It happens by people expressing their need to God and allowing God to do it. And so these are things that, that we we know believers uh, need to be um, active in. This is no time to lose heart. This is no time to start wandering around. This is no time to get bored. This is no time. But this is a time to stay focused on God. Because if, when he's moving, if we're looking for something else, we can miss the move. See, you you think the move is gonna come this way, but it's not, it's gonna come this way. And God will bring you into it. If you're faithful, doing what he tells you to do, he'll bring you into your portion of it and you'll be able to enjoy it. You'll participate. You'll do what God tells you to do. Uh, Many times people don't like what they're assigned to do when God starts to move. But you want to be involved in it. You don't want to take on more than you can handle. And you don't want to uh, be concerned about what your position is. You want to be in the position God calls you to. So that you can be faithful. Um, People are promoted very quickly when the winds of God start to blow. And they can start out. uh, I was thinking about Amy Semple McPherson. Everybody kind of laughs about that example. But she started out cooking. And then by Friday night she was preaching. You know what I'm saying? And so she got promoted. Boom, 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 boom. Why? She did what was available to do. She was so hungry to make sure the move of God was sustained she decided to just cover as many places as needed to be filled you know with with a body that with a hands that could do something and so this is this is how it's done it's done by the whosoever doing whatsoever but wanting uh, to have that hunger filled always having that hunger for god so we have a message as believers and you know this may seem a little elementary to some of you but uh, we need to be clear on what our message is because you see many messages out here masquerading as the message of the gospel. There are so many Christians out here with their version and their take on the message. You see a lot of second generation believers with their version and their take on the message, and so we have to make sure that the message handed down from uh, God gets to the the hungry. In the form that God originally packaged it in. It's this faith that was delivered to the saints. This is a delivery of a message and a faith that is handed down from one generation to the next to the next. God knows how to make it relevant in every generation. Truth is always relevant if you'll get truth if you get the message straight and if you get it right on the inside of you god makes it relevant to you he just does you don't have to have a a a a way to fix it up for this generation uh, you know people say things like that well we need to reach the young people just preach the gospel to every creature it, you don't have to uh, you know sometimes you can you can sit and listen to young people talk about the things of God and you'll be shocked at how much they get out of a message that's supposedly geared to adults the Holy Spirit is smarter than we give him credit for. We, He knows how to interpret. If we'll just let him give us, let him use us to get the message out there. He knows how to make it relevant to everybody. And it blows my mind over and over and over again how God does that. He knows how to reach people. He knows who to use to reach whom. He knows how to reach whom. <laughs> he will reach a homer. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he just, just does. So if we'll trust him more. Just lay everything down and say, God use me. You know, the old songs. But they're very, very wise songs you know just use me lord you know i'll do my part prepare me equip me and use me put me where you need me to be and and this is all that i want he doesn't need anybody to mastermind a move of god Oh, if we could get that. I see so many people forming their little cliques and their little groups. And if you come in our group, we'll teach you how to do this. We'll teach you how to grow a big church. We'll teach you how to do this. God will teach you how to do everything you need to know. You don't need man's handprints on the call of God in your life. You just need God to do these things. Yesterday we went to look at a building for our empowerment meeting and the pastor there was you know wanting to make some promises but his hands are tied by some people in the church you know what i'm saying just he said i don't know if you have this problem but we've got a board and all you know all this and there will be no church if they don't get people to use that building and make some money there will be no church for anybody to come to but his hands are tied because of some agreement he's made you know with some board people Not that that's always wrong. You know, we need sometimes help with making decisions, but there needs to be a final decision maker. And let's just get this show on the road. God gives a vision to one person. They can expand that vision and give parts of it to others that work to support the vision. But he won't give you two visions at one time. You know, so we just have to be uh, careful about those things. But if we can trust God as individuals on that level, we'll get his work done. We'll definitely get his work done. So in John 3.16, that's our message. We have a message that and we should include the whole message. We need to tell people that God loves people. And he loves them so much that he doesn't want them to go to hell. And so that's that's really the message in a nutshell. But people shy away from the whole message. I don't think we should mention hell. It's gotten to the point now, that almost half the Christians who are practicing Christians don't believe there is a literal hell. They think it's something, you know, like a fairy tale thing made up, and so forth and so on. So we have to make sure that we believe truth, and we're in truth. And we can live as, as believers, we live in this realm where we know hell is not for us. But that does not mean it wasn't for us at one time before we received the Lord. And it doesn't mean that it's not for people who don't receive him or refuse to, re- to receive him. And so it's real and God will g- fill your mouth with words. My thing is don't be so concerned about the reaction of people to what you say. Be concerned about obeying God and giving them the message. So it says here God so loved the world. He has great love for the world. So we know that God is love. He created everything that he did out of this love that he has on the inside of him. So all of a creation is an expression of the love of God. All of creation. We know that it's been damaged by sin. And by neglect. And and by a lot of things. But the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. When you look out. Into the sky it speaks to you of the glory of God. The, the empowerment of God. The creative force of God. The design of God. The love of God. Who could create such a thing? Who would, who would have thought of putting heaven, earth, water and all those things together that he did. But he did it out of love. And so the world that he created he loves so much that he refuses to let go of it. He refuses to, to turn his back on it so he has a plan to retrieve through that same love that which has rejected him, that which was stolen from him, that which has been damaged. We're never too damaged that the love of God can't reach us. We're never too insignificant that God can't reach us and build us up. He's in the restoration business. And he wants to restore and repair many damaged lives. And so that's why he sends his beloved, his church with a message. I think about... The message, um, whenever I sometimes I think about the church, I think about some of the women in the Bible and sending the world out with a message that will um, turn the hearts of men back toward God. I think about Abigail with David and how she went out to meet this angry man with all of these men behind him who had determined to destroy her whole household, everybody in it, herself included, if necessary. You know, oftentimes they spare the women and all that, but kill up all the men, you know, breaking their hearts and destroying everything. How she went out to confront that angry mob of warriors who were extremely capable with something as simple as a message from God all she had was a word from the Lord for their leader for David and how she went right to the head of that group of men and just begin to trust God with those words that that those words would be enough and I believe that's a picture of the church in the world we've got to trust God that he has given us a message that will stop an angry mob that will quench a fiery dart that will turn a heart that was cold against God back toward God and recognize they have a purpose they have a calling They have a mission. They have a a good life ahead of them in God. There's, There's real purpose for them to be here in this earth. And so as the church, we see ourselves sometimes feeling inadequate and feeling uh, not very strong you know there's so much hatred and evil in the world there's so much persecution now against Christians how can we stand against all of this and sometimes we want to shrink back and be intimidated by the accusation of the devil you know well there's not enough love and the, the church doesn't know how to deal with the homosexual. Yes we do. We deal with them the same way we deal with all sinners. And that is to give them the message of the love of God. He so loves you that he doesn't want to lose you. And he has a plan to bring you back to himself. And he, he wants you. He wants to bring life to you etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And so if we will trust the simple message of God's love. Love is patient and kind according to 1 Corinthians 13. This, these are the things that, that sometimes we don't understand about the love of God. We want to, to rush into a, a, a sales pitch with the gospel. But when it says love is patient. And love is kind. We have to understand that that kindness and patience will have to be extended to the world. We'll have to continue to pray for people who seem that they don't want, to, don't want God. Don't want to turn around. All that stuff. You can make all kinds of judgments you want to. Sometimes we can want to rush them into a decision for Christ. And so it's not our business to rush anybody it's not our business to call time on anybody but it is our business to exhibit the love of God and love is patient love is kind love shows people kindness even in the face of persecution and adversity and so we are born of the spirit of his love we have the love of God dwelling in us when we represent God we allow for the long term You've got to allow for the long term when you represent God. Because he never leaves us or forsakes us. He never gives up on us. He never turns his back on us and says he's given enough time, it's too late. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, on his beloved. So we have to examine ourselves and understand, God, I think I can go another, another further with this brother, you know, or this sister. I can go another another further with this person and and so be open to allow people to uh, further further, uh, or allow yourself to be used by God to further pray for people, uh, further minister to them, share Christ with them, share the word with them, whatever it needs, whatever that situation needs, we have to be open to that and not shut the door. We also can't get ahead of God in things. Sometimes we can be impatient for the work to be done in them and want to hasten that in. You know, kind of push a little bit more. We can't do that either. We have love is not pushy. (laughs) The Bible says it 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 it, um uh it it doesn't. It says it envies. It suffers long. I'm sorry, First Corinthians thirteen four. It suffers long and is kind. So that means that it's patient and and kind in the long suffering. That means it's not complaining. About how long it's taking. This is the the thing that we forget. Love is patient and kind while it's being patient. Uh oh. You see what I'm saying? And so sometimes we can think we're enduring long with people. Because we we can look back and say well gee I started praying for this situation X number of months ago. Or X number of years ago. Sometimes it's decades. Look at how long Jesus has been waiting for us. And so his love is patient and kind and ours has to be the same thing. We can't want to hasten something just so we can get it off our plate or get it done. You know and and let your flesh get involved and get tired of doing what God wants you to do. So it's, it's, it's kind in its long suffering. And it's not envious man. So when we represent God we allow for the long term. Not being envious means you're motivated by love. You're not in competition to win X number of souls because your pastor tells you to go win souls or something like that. You you're you're not competitive in any way. And I'm telling you, if we can take the competition out of the gospel, boy would we have we'd have a pure gospel, <laughs> we'd have an empowered people. But we're motivated by love. So love doesn't envy. It doesn't try to be bigger than the next guy. See size is not the issue in love. God knows he can create a lot of people. That's not the issue. But the ones he created he wants to have a good life. Amen. He wants them to have a relationship with him. So we don't don't envy. We're not in competition. We don't have goals of being number one. Or I got to have the biggest in the city. And God told me I'm going to, you know, that kind of stuff that that people do sometimes. Your goal isn't really to be on television. Your goal is to serve people. If television is part of it, then it's a part of it. But your goal really is to preach the gospel. To, To make sure people know how much God loves them. They know the real story of God. Love is not proud or boastful. And to God motive is everything. What are you motivated for? Why do we share Christ with people? Do we really believe that those people will perish in a fiery hell if they don't repent and turn their lives over to Christ? If we did, we'd I think we'd be more steadfast in what we do. And you know we're all guilty. We We could all do more as we always say. But what you do... You you should do it with a sincere heart. You do it understanding the very, very importance of what you're doing. Uh, I had a friend years ago that she lived in a a senior building. And she used to pray all the time for God to to give her uh, the souls in that building. But yet she had this thing in her that craved to be somewhere where she wasn't supposed to be. You know, some people have assignments. It's good to know your assignment. Some people are not assigned anywhere. But know your assignment if you're assigned. And um, she, she was mentioning to me about, well, you know, the church I'm in, they don't use me. And, you know, I want to be used more, blah, this and blah, that. And, and God told me to tell her this. And so God gave me a prophecy for her. And he said, I've called you to a midnight hour ministry. And he said, he, t- he told her, he said, don't be concerned about being used, but be concerned about where I tell you to be because I will have you, I'll make divine appointments for you to meet people in their midnight hour so that they will go know me and not go to hell. And so she had peace about it for a while and then she go back to wanting. You know what I'm saying. I mean, come on now. Once you know, I mean, knowing what you're assigned to do, that's 99% of of being successful at it. (laughs) You know, because if you can just be available, he'll put you before the people that need the ministry. And so this sometimes this craving for what we see other people have. Sometimes we we're just busy. It's like being having a test and copying off your neighbor's paper all the time. That's what we do a lot of time as believers. We're just copying the neighbor's paper instead of drawing from what's inside of us that could come forth and get the job done. And so I saw her spend a lot of time banging her head against the frustrated, because there was no room for her ministry in that, that church. They, Everybody, the pastor and his wife, were very, very capable ministers. But God had called her specifically to something. So all I'm saying is, once you know what you're supposed to do, just do it. Don't ever complain against it. Don't, don't let the devil make you think it's not adequate, or there's something else you would like to do more, or you need to be doing more. Being faithful is everything. Sometimes we think we're more capable than we are. Just because you might have a little downtime and you want to have that time occupied, don't see ministering to people as something just to occupy time. See it as something you're assigned to, you're called to, you're trained specifically for it. If you don't feel specifically trained for it, it's not for you. You, you understand what I'm saying? God is so specific. He knows exactly how to equip everybody for everything. This woman was an older lady. You could see how people her age didn't see her as a threat. They weren't intimidated by her. They easily entreated her words. They could see she was a friend as well as a minister. I mean, God had a tailor-made for her to be successful. In a church, then you got to have all these other, you know, obstacles to overcome so you know just let's quit running hurdles now and let's just run a smooth race you know let's ask God to level it out a little bit for us so that it could fit right in with your life sometimes people that you're working with most hostile people have the greatest need And God will put you in the presence of those people. And he'll give you words for them. Expect it. Expect to have words for people in the workplace. Expect to be able to uh, um, minister to them. Expect to be able to give them exactly what they need. A word in season. And The Bible says it's like apples of gold. You know there's there's no value and price you can put on those things. And, And so as believers God has placed us. In positions to be effective. Uh, never doubt that you're equipped. If you got a mouth that's about all the equipment most of us need. And if we use our words in a more productive manner. We'd be more satisfied with, with our lives and, and the things that we're called to do. Why do we share Christ? Why do we undertake the mission to spread the message? We, we have to do it for love. We have to be motivated by the same thing that motivated Jesus to pay the price for the message to be given to us. So we have to have the same motive. I used to be motivated oftentimes because I hated the devil. And God said, I'll go you one better. I'll teach you how to love people. (laughs) He said, I'll take that for right now. But we'll go higher in this. See, there's always a higher place you can go to in your motivation. The more you love, the more sacrificial. You hear me? That's a word you don't hear a lot. But the more sacrificial you will be in the way that you approach the gospel you 'll go places that are difficult to get to you'll you 'll make sa you'll put things aside so that you can do the will of god you 'll have a lot of opportunity. To turn it down. But love will... It's not... I want to obey God. It's not an obedience thing necessarily. But you know that love means obedience. And so it's a deeper motivation. I love Jesus. He paid a, a price for me. I couldn't pay. I couldn't get myself out of hell. If I tried forever. And so I owe Him. I love Him. I love Him. I owe Him. I owe Him. I love Him. You got me? And so that owing and loving have to be intertwined together when you love someone you have a way you prove that you have something you do to demonstrate that love he demonstrated his great love for us we have to do the same we have to swallow our pride we have to forget who we are we have to put everything on the line we have to lay down who we are lay down ourselves and pick up christ we have to put you aside for a while and pick him up we have to love doesn't dishonor anybody man says it doesn't it doesn't uh it's not puffed up it's not prideful doesn't behave itself unseemly that means a dishonor to somebody doesn't seek its own way. It doesn't see, think evil of people. Just because people don't want to receive the message, don't dishonor them. Don't blame them for not receiving what you have. I was speaking with somebody that they were always wanting to do something. You know, I, I don't know. You know, you just somehow you you, you think to yourself... Why is that itch there, you know, in people sometimes? They just can't get rid of that little itch. And that itch would always lead them into situations that they weren't qualified for. And that God didn't open the door to put them in. And so uh, this person said, well, I prayed for somebody. I was somewhere, you know, public and prayed for someone and uh I asked them if the pain left. They said no. And (laughs) they started arguing with the person. I said did you ever see Jesus rebuke somebody because they didn't get healed? You know you don't shoot the the victim. (laughs) They're already in pain. And you're going to accuse them of listening to the devil instead of listening to God. Come on now let's grow up. See that's because they didn't lay aside who they were. To do the work of the ministry. If they can lay that aside. That person will get healed. Because you occupying. Something of you wanting something out of this. In there. Shorts the anointing. Shorts the flow. And so if you don't lay it all down. And pick up Christ in his power and everything he has. And work with that person until they receive what you're carrying. See, this is something you can't just tell people. They've got to sit under you until they understand how to get this stuff. Because I've seen people get it. You understand what I'm saying? I've seen when they get it. And I've seen people who never get it. Because they just keep missing it somehow. It's out there. But they don't get it. I remember <laughs> I told I forget who it was. I think it was Nola. And she was uh, I told her, I said, Well Nola, I said you're gonna have to start substituting for Pastor Shirley when she you know, when she calls on you to minister for her and she looked at me like a deer in headlights. <laughs> and so I told her, I said I said, The anointing's here, I said, you're gonna have to find it. And when I said that her eyes got normal again see and she knew see that's better than me telling her i'll lay hands on you and give it to you if she knows she's free to find it in god then she'll See that's always good news to people that it's given to that it's for and so I told her I said you're going to have to find the anointing and so she was peaceful about it and found it you see what I'm saying just simple instruction like that for whom it's given that's who you give it to and that was her message for her to get comfortable that she could handle anything that got brought into the meeting and, and you know what I'm saying, that kind of thing. And so when she when she understood that, she was able to lay down the last of fear, the last of whatever it was that kind of made her uneasy about it. And she was put that down, pick up love. Love wants to serve. Love wants to give. Love wants to help people. For the sake of Helping them, not for the sake of anything else. So, love does not dishonor those who don't receive the message. We don't criticize people. Oh, you know, they're not ready. Or you just give the message. You don't know. You know, if, if it's the same thing. If if you uh, were a waitress and gave somebody a plate of food, they didn't eat it all. You don't know. That doesn't mean they didn't like it. That doesn't mean anything. It just means they didn't finish their meal. You understand what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. And so we, we, we give according to the proportion of our faith. We minister according to the proportion of our faith. And so, but love, uh, faith works by love. And so the faith won't come out and do anything if we're not motivated by love in our hearts. So you don't dishonor those who don't receive the message. It's not our message love keeps no record of wrongs done you don't have a history of the last time somebody offended you or the last time you didn't get along with them or anything like that you know sometimes we can get into avoidance mode with people because they they don't respond the way our flesh wants them to respond you don't know how God plan for them to respond to the message the bible says about pharaoh god hardened his heart 10 times said god did it so it wasn't time for pharaoh to receive you got me and so when when god does something we have to leave that up to god you're not responsible for for the message you're not responsible for uh for people's response to it now you can let the devil bug you about that stuff if you want to You know, well, they didn't receive Christ because you did this wrong. That's the devil, folks. God never tells you, you know, this uh, Monday morning quarterbacking. If there's something wrong with you, God will fix the words in your mouth. He's in charge of that. You got me? So he doesn't criticize himself. The only thing you can hold yourself accountable for is if you don't open your mouth. And you're the only one there and you know you're supposed to say something. Huh? It rejoices when a person who has formally rejected Christ accepts him. You re- we rejoice in the truth. You know, we think, well, finally, finally, this person sees the light. It's a matter of us taking responsibility to be a messenger, not to be the author of the message. Mm-hmm. This ain't your message. You carry this message because it brought you life. See? It's good, if it was good enough to bring you life in the way it came to you, then it's good enough to pass it on to somebody else. And so we trust, hope, and believe because motive, love motivates us to do so. So love motivates us to trust. It motivates us to hope. When it says love hopes all things, believes all things, Amen. That means that it motivates us to believe that if somebody refuses Christ ten times, one time they'll receive him. They all, you only got to get them to accept him one time. <laughs> you got me? And so love is always hopeful about people's situation it endures every circumstance love always gets the mission accomplished it never fails so if you want the mission accomplished you keep your heart full of the love of God feed yourself on the word repent God I'm sorry I got mad at so and so and such and such because you know you're a human being you still got flesh you'll never get to the point where you don't sin Never you'll always you know, and if you think you're you're never going to sin God'll show you in one instant all you got to do is walk across the floor and trip over something. My dog and my rug are the same color. Huh? I said, that's a setup for me to get in trouble. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you just see it, how the enemy would use that to frustrate me or anger me or something like that. And so we live in this world. There's always going to be something that will vex us and, and, and create a snare for us. And, and But God will forgive us and get us out of the snare huh your leg get caught in a bear trap he'll come and the great big hands of jesus will come and open it up and release you from it it's never it's never beyond your ability to recover from i don't care what it is love gives god is a giver he created us in his image and he created us to give this must also be central to our message God so loved the world he gave. Listen brother I'm coming to you not to take anything away from you but God wants to give you something. Most people think about God if I do this I can't do this I can't do that. It's not about what you can't do. It's about receiving the greater blessing in your life. See, God wants to show you that living for Him is a great blessing. It's not gonna it's not gonna hinder your life one bit. It will enhance your life in a way you've never known before. And so if we can give them the you know, just get with God and get wisdom from Him. You know. Don't try to just recite something or, you know, if somebody's really ignorant any any water, water to a thirsty person is water but as prophetic people we understand the gifts of the spirit and how to open those gifts up so that we can make that message personal to every individual that we talk to so God is a giver and this must also be central to the message we give and God increases and gives back to us so, God, as we give out the Word of the Lord, and as we give out, God gives back to us in ways that that we sometimes will never expect Him to give back to us i i can I notice when i 'm obedient to God sometimes in difficult situations, my spiritual understanding is enhanced my 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 ability to see God in different situations is enhanced. So I don't just see God in the you know, people coming into the meeting and, and that's all. I see him in the highways in the hedges, talking to people and helping people. So your 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 understanding of God's greatness is enhanced and it's it's perfected and it comes up a lot just from giving out the message to people just ministering to people helps you to understand the different ways that God can can use you sometimes it's a shock to me where God and, and I don't mind that because I've learned how to just go about my normal routine but understand that God could use me at any time you understand? You don't just go out. You know, I'm going to win a soul today. You know, it, it's I'm available, God, uh, and and you know, walk in the spirit where God can speak to you, and where He can talk to you, and where He's real to you. Always holding His hand and understanding that you're His instrument here. Just that that's just a given. You know, God, I'm I'm here. And I know what I'm here for. I've got a message. <laughs> I've got uh, a, a mission. See, if you keep message and mission foremost in your mind and heart, then you're in sync with him. Because he, he, Jesus went about, the Bible says, doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. What's the devil doing to somebody? What's he doing to people that you know? What's he doing to people that you love? you 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 alleviate that suffering when you know God. It'll shock you the small things that can be done to help people you know uh, to to minister to people um, in in a unique ways. Uh, I was coming out of my hotel room last Saturday, <laughs> one of the, the the guys that does the housekeeping. He was walking past my door grumbling. And and saying, uh, get on my nerves. Get a little cuss word and stuff like that. And so he looked up and saw me. And I said, oh little brother, give me a little holy hug here. I said, go get better as the day goes on. You know, small things. Small things. Another one that works there, I prophesied to him. Of course he evaporated. I see this. <laughs> Every time I see him, he looks down again. But hey. I ain't the, I didn't offer the message. I'm simply the messenger. You know, people have all kinds of reactions to the truth of God's word. I hope he is under conviction, you know, to make a change in his life, a change for the better. His life will be enhanced if he obeys God and gets closer to God. It won't be. You understand what I'm saying? Now, listen, I don't, I don't advocate women hugging on men all the time. I don't do that all the time but at that point it was something that God used you know I don't come to him as a girlfriend I'm three times as a shoe three times older than he is and I think I'm wearing them you understand what I'm saying and so there's a, a, a cushion a safety in there a safety net you understand what I'm saying that that of the anointing that keeps it the message it's got to be kept the message. It's got to be kept the message, and so once that message is delivered, then you're free. You're just free. So we give. God increases what we give, gives it back to us, so we never run out. Uh, you know, people come up to me. It used to be a, a little ritual, or you know, if you go to a women's meeting, some of the women's groups, and they want to get around you and lay hands on you and pray and stuff, and you know, I used to. Send a letter. Don't do this to her. You know what I'm saying. Oh, God, give back to her what she gave. There's no give back. You don't have to tell him to do that. I mean, I appreciate you wanting to bless me, but that's not correct. That's not how this works. You understand what I'm saying? They think, you know, because you give out, you're going to drop dead when you get outside. Come on now. God knows how to take care of his ministers. He knows how to take care of his messengers. I'm thinking to myself, where are you every time I go somewhere? You know what I'm saying? Come on now. Let's speak real here no offense to them but people need to know what they're doing you know know through knowledge and understanding the proper thing to do because pretty soon they want to start prophesying to you get stupid after a while and then somebody's feelings will really get hurt but anyway we we have to understand these things about God and about how he gives back to us when we give you give out the message of the gospel, you will get so much more enrichment in your life. So much more than you ever had before. Your life will be so much more enhanced. It puts you on a whole different level. A whole different level in God. Many times we think legalistically, God won't bless you if you don't give. Well, that's not the issue. You know, we know that there are certain behaviors that draw certain sanctions from God. But whatever we sow, we'll reap. He'll—he will pay you for souls won. He'll do it. just—that's his economy. That's so important to him. So important that the church remember her mission. So this is our responsibility. But God really doesn't need our goods to get his job done. He knows how to produce them. But we need to give so that our lives can be enhanced. He does it all for us. We're not making any sacrifices beyond what he's able or willing to uh, repay us for. But he wants us to experience his life. This is his life that we're experiencing. When you share Christ with somebody, you are, are experiencing the God kind of life. You're giving. You're preaching. You're doing what he would do if he were here in the world. And he was blessed beyond measure. Every need Jesus had was automatically met. He never was concerned about it. He never wavered. He He always had faith in what the Father was doing if he would be about the father's business he knew everything was going to be cool it was you know no problems everything was was fine so God will not be mocked in this whatever we sow we reap if we don't sow we won't reap we need to want to uh, sow words of life to people so this is our responsibility but God does really not need our goods Jesus is our intercessor And he is there to cause us to live in brotherly love through our giving. When we give, he intercedes on our behalf to cause brotherly love to continue down here on the earth. It's initiated by the church. This is why we get so much persecution. This is why the devil tries to condemn us into non-activity. The devil hates the preaching of the gospel. He hates it when we touch people that he has he has manufactured a life that's an abomination to most people. See he hates it when we touch people like that. He hates us when we get to a divine appointment on time and enough time to, to save somebody from a fiery hell. He hates that. He hates obedient people he hates people walk in the spirit that's why he's always trying to condemn us and make us think that we're not capable uh we can't handle this uh, well you know it's too late for you to be a soul winner you haven't won a soul in all these years why you want to try now kind of thing all that kind of stuff i know that when i leave this church i'm a believer and god uses me as a believer and i expect to be used as a believer I know a lot of ministers that don't even think about soul winning when they get on the street. They go out with an entourage. They never talk to anybody. They will <laughs> well, bomb people you passed, you know, with your great anointing. There's a, a soul that, that needs to get the benefit of that. And I believe the more you seclude yourself, see, the the anointing is not ours to keep away from people. The message is not ours to keep shut up about. None of this belongs to us. And I believe when you try to control the anointing like that, you can bring trouble on your own house. You understand what I'm saying? The people who freely give are the ones who freely receive. And I don't care how big you are. The people, I, I was listening, so I went down to visit CBN once and I listened to the testimonies of some of the people and... They were saying, oh, you know, uh, Pat, he's such a blessing. Pat Robertson, he's such a blessing. And, you know, I had the opportunity to go with him to so and so and such and such. And as he met people and shook their hands, she said he would minister the gospel to them. Just reassuring them, you know, God loves them. You know, have you received Christ? If you haven't, we'll pray with you. And he, you know, it just, it's just, that's him all the time That's him, and if you look at what he's built down there uh, he's got oriental rugs on the floor of the lobby that were donated did, did somebody said well the, you know what somebody said these rugs around here are worth over 3 million dollars and I'm not talking about the imitation things on QVC you know these are like the real <laughs> Persian stuff um, because of his stature in God because of the message, always being faithful with the message, always being faithful with the ministry, he's had to do some things he doesn't like to do. He freely tells people. I, I used to. He said I couldn't stand these fundraising things. He said that's the least thing that I I enjoy about ministry. He said I asked God one time, how come we can't strike oil, or you know, <laughs> so we can pay for all of this? And the Lord said, I don't do things that way. He said there are people out there who are watching your program and they don't have a way to be blessed to the level I want to bless them. He said so you get on there and you invite them to share in that blessing that you have. You understand what I'm saying? So we can can have a twisted way of looking at things but you know God is there to straighten us out. And so he wants us to be givers. He is our intercessor to cause us to live in brotherly love. And you only do it by giving. You cannot live in brotherly love without giving. And without enjoying giving. That's why we give and that's why he gives. So that brotherly love can continue. God benefits when he gives. The Bible says it's his good pleasure. It's his delight. I One time I went through that word in the in my concordance just to see if I could find the things that God delighted in. And it's always doing something for us. Giving. Doing something for us. that, The prosperity of his servants. He delights in that. He causes his countenance to shine. Isn't that wonderful? When you can receive from God and be a good steward over what he gives you. And you prosper out of it. You follow it all the way down the line. And he He delights in that. He delights in obedient children who love him. So he wants us to experience that delight as well as he, he gives the most. Okay, you cannot outgive God because he's already beat you giving, huh? Because you're already given the most. He sows first seed anyway, so we're partakers of that seed. It says he gave in John three sixteen again his only begotten Son. Now only begotten. The Bible says begotten, not made. So we are made and we are begotten to a degree. But we were made first. Created in his image. But Jesus was the only begotten of the father. That Greek word it's translated begotten is translated as one of a kind. Only one of a kind. Only one of a kind. Within a specific relationship so jesus being the only begotten of the father is the only one of a kind within a specific relationship so he's the only one who can claim uh to be the first heir of god the first son of god adam was a son of god the bible speaks of him as being a son of god but he's a created son So Jesus was the only one of his kind with a specific relationship with the father from the beginning. So that's what differentiates his relationship with God from any other son. As he was with him from the beginning. And nobody else can claim that. We were probably in God's heart and his mind but we weren't with him from the beginning. And he says uh, this is pertaining to the only one of a class. Of its class or putting it in a unique class. That word begotten also means the only legitimate kind. That means a a valid, a bona fide heir of God. It can also mean the only child or the only legitimate child. That word begotten also was used to describe Isaac in that Isaac was not the only son of, of Abraham but he was the heir. So it can denote somebody with a specific designation as heir. It was the one chosen. And the last component of our message is for whosoever believes. Praise God. All you got to do is let God have his way. Spit the message out. And anybody who believes it can have everlasting life. They can live forever. They will have a life imparted to them by the Holy Spirit. And this is what makes it personal. We don't judge whether they are saved or not. We don't judge whether they have that life or not. But the Holy Spirit himself comes in to create that life. And then he judges. So whosoever or when, whenever one believes. The Holy Spirit indwells him. And, then God, and God cleanses him from all unrighteousness. There, there is a noticeable impartation to that individual and we're accepted as sons we're adopted as sons because we now have his life in us and it's an indisputable life it's a different kind of life a zoe uh, a different quality of life it's a life that never is extinguished it's an eternal life it's a resurrection life It's an empowered life. It's a supernaturally empowered life. And it's a life that causes us to do good. It transforms us. It changes us totally. His life in us now is our token for heaven. It is a promise that will be fulfilled. So we have a deposit within us and the fulfillment the final payment comes when we leave this earth so it is our down payment everybody who believes receives everlasting life no exceptions nobody's left out we don't have to doubt this we don't have to be concerned about it the only thing we have to do is is give our message and do it with the idea of it being our mission. See, our message and our mission. And if we will understand that that message is first, understand there'll be all kinds of things come in to compete with that message. Sometimes people will get bored or or something like that, and they'll want to create a something else to create excitement you know preachers get tempted with that all the time they'll see oh you know so and so got a uh, woman thou art loosed and that message made them famous and I just need something like that so I can you understand what I'm saying it's easy to do it's hard to believe It's I'm not a bad person for telling you stuff like that you understand what I'm saying it's let's be real here but people that's where people get all these and that's why a lot of ministers flock to meetings when people like that give them they're hoping to be the next great thing you got me they're hoping to blow up and be on the new york times bestseller list you understand what i'm saying for people that that's ordained for that's fine but suppose you're ordained to Take care of a flock that's, you know, maybe doesn't grow much more than 80, 90, or 100, if that many. You know, suppose you're called to work with intercessors and and be there to impart power to people when they drop by to receive it. Whatever you're called to do, it's necessary before God. He just wants to know you're faithful. He don't care how many books you sell, He's the one selling them anyway. Those are His books. If they got the Word of God in them, you can't take responsibility for them. Most people can't even take responsibility for their message or for getting them in print you know i mean there's somebody to along the line to help with everything but our message we have to be clear on what our message is folks it's not up to us to uh you know fix it up and, and doctor it and make it you know taste good to people you know what i'm saying you don't care about the taste of it huh that's not your job. Your job is to just be faithful, to understand the message, know what God wants you to say, and be able to give the message to hurting and dying people. And, and be careful not to judge others who are doing the work of the gospel. Remember Jesus says those who are not against us are on our part they wanted to they're not from our group and they're out there doing this and doing that that's not your business. Our business is to make sure that we give the message God wants us to give because he'll he'll mess your head up trying to judge people. And watching people, you know, and how they do things. And then you're going to do some things sometimes that seem like, God, did I do the right thing there? You're going to have to let God settle those things for you and understand. And don't get anxious about getting somebody saved. That anxiety never (laughs) comes into, you know, sometimes God, sometimes that's why God will use us in in unexpected ways so we don't have time to build up anxiety and, you know, our own program and what would I say to somebody and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Just let him fill your mouth with words. He just tells us to open it, doesn't he? and he says he'll fill it with words and so when he fills it with words don't sit there and try to fix up the words try to overthink what God's doing and, and how he's affecting things I look at ordinary people that he uses in extraordinary ways who are believers are these are not professional ministers these are believers and I see sometimes the faithfulness of the average believer with the message and that's why i have such confidence about the believer's hour to be the church's finest hour because you know everybody's clamoring to try being a pulpit you, you, you come out the pulpit and be a believer you understand what i'm saying because it's this is the this the season where em, and believers will be empowered my God to do extraordinary things the things we see sometimes in the book of Acts the apostles trained and taught them but the believers turned the cities upside down you know we saw, we know what Paul did because Paul wrote it but there were many things that uh, Paul released believers to do that they just had the freedom to go about and do and when they couldn't get the job done they when they heard one of the apostles was in town they would call on them to do the heavy lifting but those believers knew what they were called to do they were empowered and so this is this is what we're we're doing now folks don't ever doubt god's empowerment on people ordinary people you look at the people who are are on television It's you know the robertsons on duck dynasty you know they thank god for that phil guy in the family you know the rest of them are funny and all that but when you look at phil you see no nonsense you got me he's adamant about the message and he's not going to waver and he's not going to change he already told those tv people you can take me off and of tell i don't care what you do but i know who called me and i know who saved me if you ask me anything about why i believe in all i'll tell you but you can do what you want to do with your program you understand what i'm saying and so the the duggars are the same way they don't waver and they don't falter. And, and they've made ministers out of their children now. And how many people, Yeah, you know, there's preachers that go around the world that can't get their kids to, to even come to church consistently. You understand what I'm saying? Believers, folks, these people aren't ministers and they don't claim to be. But if God can do that through a family of believers, think what he could do through an empowered church of believers. Just one family. They go, those people are all over the world. And nobody challenges them on their message. They respect God through those people because God's made it so. So let us not ever diminish the importance of the message. Let us not diminish the importance of what God wants to do through every ordinary believer. If we'd stay faithful to the message, amen, we can do that. All right, we'll stop. Father in heaven, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to understand. who we are, what we're doing, where we're going. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.